Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we have the Charlotte Hornets team preview up next in our series. I talked to Dylan Jackson and Evan Dial of At The Hive about trading Kemba Walker, the Hornets' glut of expensive wings and bigs, and how their new coach, James Borrego, is looking to shake things up in Charlotte. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Uh, Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing. It's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I am pleased today to be joined by Dylan Jackson and Evan Dial of At The Hive, which is, of course, the uh, Charlotte Hornets SB Nation fan site. Uh, How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Lazarus. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm doing great as well. Uh, I'm trying to get through the prelude of NBA 2K. I'm not sure if you guys have played it, but I must say it's very strange. I have I have not played it, but I have seen it, and I never get 2K for my career anyway, and so like I'm fine with like not having the prelude, you know? Yeah, I mean, I love my career, but I, I'm mostly in it for my GM anyways, so I guess, I mean, I guess it's okay. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd immediately just try and like fix the Pistons every single year. As soon as I get the game, that's the point, right? Oh, I'm the same way with the Hornets. Like, I'm, I'm on there immediately. And, you know, it's either I'm trading away bad assets or trading in people like Blake Griffin, ironically, because we have a big hole at power forward. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> Evan, uh, I want to start with you. Uh, what's one word that sums up? Uh, Charlotte fans' feelings about this offseason and uh, explain why you use that particular word. Uh, well, I would say probably the consensus among Charlotte's fan would be a little uh, disgruntled, but I would actually go maybe a mixed reaction. The good is Kemba Walker got to stay. A lot of people seem to like the first-round pick of Miles Bridges. The bad is we weren't able to trade away some people we were hoping to, and Nicholas Batum or MKG, Marvin Williams, some of the larger contracts. And the Tony Parker signing has not been well-received either. So I guess two words, a a bit of a a mixed bag. And Kevin Pelton of ESPN even just gave us an F, which I thought was a little harsh. But I wouldn't say it was the best offseason either. Dylan, uh, what would your word be? I'd I'd use eager. Uh, We had a lot of offseason moves this year. Uh, from twi- from trading Dwight Howard to, I mean, they went out and got their guys in the draft. And that's really something is when you know the front office has a group of guys they want and they actually go out and get them. And of course, those guys were Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham. So we brought in those guys. And I mean, as much as I didn't like the signing, they were determined to get him and Tony Parker. We got another backup point guard. Uh, we've just been kind of getting those recycled guys. So I'd have to go with eager. We did a lot of 
we we made a lot of changes, brought in a new head coach, brought in a new GM. So I, I'm I'm pretty interested to see, and I'm sure other Charlotte Hornets fans are as well, to see how it all gels together. So Dylan, uh, what I know we just we talked a little bit about Kevin Pelton's ESPN grades. Uh, you sound a little bit higher on the Hornets. What uh, what grade would you have given them for their offseason? I would actually, um, I'm actually not too high on the Hornets this year. I think they'll probably do about the same, if not a little bit worse, just because of all the teams that got tremendously better, like the Dallas Mavericks. I think the Chicago Bulls got a little bit better. Uh, but I'd, I'd give their their offseason a C-. minus. Um, I think we could have done better uh, filling in the backup point guard need. I, as much as other Hornets fans like it, I'm not a huge fan of this draft class in particular. I was a little bit higher on Shea Gilgis Alexander and DeAnthony Melton, that that sort of tier of guys. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I'd probably give it a C minus um, if I had to grade it. Evan, uh, what would your grade be? I'll go about a C, so I guess just slightly higher. The Dwight Howard trade, I mean, you can look at it as be able to get some second-round picks out of it, but after seeing the Brooklyn Nets able to buy him out, some wish Charlotte was just able to buy him out in the first place. So that's one thing, and I didn't like the Tony Parker signing when there was Shabazz Napier we could have got for the same price, or actually less, sorry, and he's a better player. But I do like the new signing of the coach, James Borrego from San Antonio. He seems to be more willing to give some of the young guys who I'm pretty high on minutes. I like Bridges and Graham in the draft. So there were some good things and bad, as I said, mixed bag. So I'll give it a C. So I don't know a whole lot about Borrego. But is it Borrego or Borrego? Borrego. Borrego. Okay. Uh, I remember he did an interim stint in Orlando a couple of years back. There was nothing uh, really notable in either direction during that stint. I mean, he took over for Jacques Vaughn and a not very talented team. I honestly don't know like what you could have expected uh, out of him in that time. And so, uh, Evan, what what is Charlotte's fans' like expectations for Borrego uh, coming into this season? Well, you're right. He is a bit of an unknown, but even, they did like that he did have some head coaching experience in the interim. And he comes from obviously a great organization in San Antonio where he was for a long time. So people, there's going to be a change of style. He's going to want to run more, increase the pace, more ball movement, more threes. So I think people kind of got sick of some of Clifford's style. And as I said, he's going to play more of the young guys more and I think be a little more creative in lineup. So You'll expect to see a lot of different changes, and he's already announced um, he wants to see MKG at the four more, Frank Kaminsky at the five more. So he's preaching versatility and willing to try new things, and I think that has a lot of Charlotte fans excited. Dylan, do you guys have a roster that's conducive to to flexibility and versatility? Uh, Like, for my mind, you have, like, a lot of wings, but you also have, like, a lot of of money, like, sunk in these big men, Uh, like... uh, Biombo and Zeller especially is that something that like you're looking forward to playing more up-tempo um up-tempo that's certainly something I'd like to see more of but like you said we have a lot of wings that we're paying and a lot of them are just one-way players they don't have a offensive or defensive game like Nick Batum he's pretty bad on defense MKG he's horrible on offense uh, there's no getting around that. Jeremy Lamb, he's probably going to start at the two this year. He's one of our main two-way players. So 
if as to playing faster, I think Kemba Walker could really excel and probably score a little bit more points per game. Uh, I think it would also benefit Malik Monk. Uh, but as for the bigs, I'm I'm just not a huge fan of seeing Bismack Biombo run up and down the court for 10, 15 minutes per game. That's probably about what he's going to get. So, uh, Evan, where do you come down on the over-under? Uh, the last time I checked the Westgate over-under, it had Charlotte at 35 and a half, which felt pretty low. I mean, Charlotte didn't win a lot of like close games last year, but they also won more than 35 games. Yeah, so last past two years, we've been 36 and 46. I actually have them a little higher this year. I have put them at 39 wins which I think will about be the ninth seed in the East and just missing the playoffs, which is unfortunately what we usually do. But I do think we'll be a little bit better than the general NBA consensus thinks. I think Kemba's in for a big year. I like the new coach. I think Monk, uh, Dwayne Bacon, Herna Gomez, Miles Bridges, the youth will help. So I think we'll actually be slightly over. So Dylan, uh, where do you come down on the over-under? I'm a little bit on the under um, 35 and a half wins. That's pretty much what we've been doing the past two seasons. We've had 36 wins the past two seasons and it's been pretty disappointing. Uh, but just to see the amount of teams behind us get significantly better. I already mentioned the Mavs, the Bulls. I think the Knicks got a little bit better, although they might not eclipse us simply because they don't have Kristaps Porzingis right now. I think the Pistons are a little bit better than the Hornets right now. Uh, But in terms of the Eastern Conference, I think they'll stay even. But in terms of West teams surpassing us, I think that'll be substantial. And I think because of that, our win total is going to drop two or three wins, probably to like 32, 33. I'm a little bit lower um, than the standard prediction. I've got them going 30 and 52. Wow. Okay. So... Charlotte, I think of Charlotte and Detroit as in like very similar positions, Uh, both not good enough to be like guaranteed playoff teams, but definitely with the talent to make the playoffs. Uh, However, Detroit's ownership appears to have decided that like they can't sustain a tanking effort. Uh, Michael Jordan, the Charlotte Hornet owner, also appears to have reached that same conclusion. Um, If you're predicting 30 wins, Dylan, uh, do you think like the Hornets should just like flat out tank at that point? I am actually, I've been on the trade Kemba boat for, I'd say about a year and a half now. And that's a lot longer than most Hornets fans. But I, I actually wrote a couple articles about it for at the hive in January or so as to why they should trade Walker and all of that stuff. But I, I just, we're stuck in the middle here. We're not bad enough to get a, really good player in the draft but we're not good enough to actually do something in the playoffs i think we had a one-year window back in 2015 where we made the playoffs took the heat to seven and then we lost all of our key um like our key role players and that really really hurt us we kept the wrong guys um from that offseason so just getting back to that would be really really hard just given the amount of uh the amount of salary already tied up right now with the hornets And we do have a lot of young players, yes, but at the same time, we've got a lot of guys who are just about to get out of their primes, like Marvin Williams. Cody Zeller has been injured uh, two of the past three years. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, he hasn't gotten any better. 
Um, Nick Batum was injured, I believe, two of the past three years, like for a lot of the season. And Kemba Walker, uh, although he is really, really good at some point, especially with point guards, there's kind of just a season where they drop off a bit. And I'm not saying this is that season for Walker, but I think you certainly have to factor in that it could happen. So Evan, where do you come down on on the tanking question, I guess, and the the trade Kemba question, which we're going to circle back around to, trust me. Yeah, it's a tough one, and a lot of it will go into how the season starts. Uh, Charlotte actually is an easier schedule in the first of that half of the season, which could unfortunately give some false hope. Um, I think it all comes down to the price is right for Kemba, and you know, either be a first young player and the ability to get rid of one of the bad contracts. If we could accomplish at least uh, two of those, I would look highly into it. But I think, you know, right now, as staying the course, I don't absolutely hate it. I mean, there is still some young talent we can develop around Kemba, around the timeline. But if there's an offer that blows us out of the water, we got to consider it because losing him for nothing next offseason would be absolutely painful. So I guess, Evan, what... What level of like bad contract are you like looking to get rid of in a Kemba trade? Obviously, Batum makes the most, but uh, because he makes the most, I think he'd be the hardest to move and get like value back for. Um, you also have like MKG making in like somewhere in the teens. You've got Marvin Williams at like fourteen, I think. You've got uh, like Cody Zeller at like twelve or thirteen, I think, maybe more. So like which. Which what's your ideal Kimba trade like look like from a salary perspective? I think Batum is the impossible one, and I think we're just going to have to deal with that. And Borrego is going to just going to try to, you know, a bit of a reclamation project. He's moving him to the three. Hopefully, he can bounce back a little this year. I doubt we can move him even by attaching Kemba, but nothing's impossible. But the more likely ones are MKG, Marvin Williams. And perhaps even Cody Zeller, who's at thirteen million. But Zeller is going to be the starter, big part of the team. But Marvin, two way player, uh three and D kind of guy, can still help a contender. MKG is at least a good wing defender. So I think probably one of those two are the most likely that would be included. They're both at about thirteen mil a year. So they would probably be the ones to go in a Kemba trade. So Dylan, have you like what what teams, I guess, did you uh, bring up trading Kemba to in your pieces earlier this year and like for what was it was it like a similar package as uh as uh, he was talking about with uh MKG and and Zeller or was it like the impossible dream of trying to get rid of Batum um I would certainly love to get rid of Batum but I don't see it as realistic um I, I think the Lakers are sort of a team that could make an offer later in the season if their win total isn't what it should be with LeBron James. Um, just having Kimball Walker, another shooter, you could put him on the floor with Lonzo Ball, who could probably switch over to the two a little bit. And uh, I think that would be a good fit for Walker. Um, as for trade packages, I'm not sure what they would offer us. It would probably have to involve either Svi, Mikhail Luke, Mo Wagner, or Josh Hart. Maybe, I mean, the the franchise just isn't really sold on trading Kemba Walker. And to only get maybe like a future role player out of him, 
wouldn't benefit the franchise um, from a marketing or basketball standpoint. So I think at this point, they're really starting to look at the salary cap situation and how they could undo some of it by offloading Walker. You look at Bismack Biombo, who's making $17 million a year with a player option for next year as well. I think that's a contract they might look to move. Uh, Batum, I mean, I already mentioned it. I just think that's a little bit far-fetched at this point, given that Walker only makes $12 million, and having a team try and build up to that with decent players would be a little bit tough. So at this point, I'd look at the Indiana Pacers. They could offer something like Miles Turner or Demontis Sabonis, although I'm not sure they'd be willing to do that for a one-year contract. Um, you also take a look at the Utah Jazz. They've got Ricky Rubio at point guard right now, but I think Kemba Walker would almost certainly be an upgrade over that. Donovan Mitchell, he, he didn't really show it last year, but has some two-way potential, so that would be a really nice backcourt for the Jazz. Um, another team I look at is the Miami Heat. They, ha- they don't need a point guard, but they did explore some stuff with Kyrie Irving last offseason. It didn't go through, obviously, but I think he's certainly an upgrade over Goran Dragic, despite Dragic making the all-star team over him last February. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I want for Walker, I, I want a young asset or first-round pick. I was really, really high on getting that eighth pick from the Cavs, which inevitably did not happen. Um, I would have loved uh, Mikkel Bridges and uh, Colin Sexton combo with eight and eleven, but it, it didn't happen. So, what can I say? So, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Phoenix, a team that has you know recently expressed a very like very vocal desire to find a starting level point guard, um, and that has a decent chunk of bad money like on the roster. I, I can I can envision like a Kemba for one of their young players that they just picked up and Tyson Chandler and Ryan Anderson for like some of the Charlotte bad money, however you want to put it together. Yeah. Um, I personally, I honestly just forgot about the Phoenix Suns and their existence for a minute there. Uh, but <laughs> I kind of love the Anthony Melton as a player. I think he was 15th or 16th on my personal big board. Um, I'm a huge draft guy, if you didn't know. Uh, but him, I like Elio Kobo. Um, I mean, I just said it, Mikel Bridges, he's on that roster as well. Although I'm not sure that they'd be willing to give him up uh, simply because they gave up the 2021 first round pick from Miami to move up and get Mikel. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love the roster Phoenix has. I don't think they need a starting point guard because they have two of my lottery point guard i think they had a great draft uh just getting the anthony melton mikhail bridges elio kobo deandre Ayton. although they should have taken luka Doncic, but that's another story um yeah i i think they if they do get kemba walker on that suns team it would push for the playoffs not sure that they'd make it given it's the western conference but yeah i think they i think they already made an offer for walker but i just don't think it was enough for the hornet to accept Evan, uh, we've talked a lot about like Kemba, the trade asset, or Kemba, the way to clear money off of Charlotte's books. How good is like Kemba Walker, Kemba, uh, Kemba Walker, the player? Um, like like Dylan said, he didn't make the All Star team over Goran Dragic, but he was right there. 
um i think of him as like the like i don't know like the 13th or 12th best point guard in the league like does that sound about right from what you've seen I probably have him a little bit higher, uh, probably around the 10th. I think he's a stud. He's a very good player. He gets better every year. Crazy hard work ethic. Um, And he's super important to our team. There's a stat with him on the floor. We're a 45-win team. And with him off the floor, we're like a 21-win team. Now, part of that's because we've not been able to have a good backup point guard since Jeremy Lin. But, I mean, Kemba's a stud. I mean, really can became a great shooter from three, a master in mid-range, really good ball handler, uh, just flat out knows how to score, knows how to play. Um, I mean, obviously, he has some defensive limitations, just an all-right playmaker. But, I mean, we need him so badly on offense. And I think this year, I still think he's another level to get to. I think he's still improving. I think Borrego and the new offense will help. So I would say around just inside the top 10 point guards in the league is probably where I put him. So Evan, what, what would that next level like from Borrega and like a Brit and a Kemba like marriage, like look like for you? Well, the past couple of years, he's floated around 22 points and five assists per game on good efficiency. Offensively, his biggest improvement, probably improving finishing on the rim, which I know he's working on this off season. And if he could draw a few more free throws, too, that would help his efficiency. I think he's capable of averaging 25 points and around seven assists. More space on the floor will help, especially not starting MKG and Dwight. I don't think that was the best partnership. He's a lot better with Cody Zeller in the middle. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think he'll be an all-star again this year, and I think around 25 and 7 is doable. So, Dylan, uh, we, we, we talked about – we brought up Dwight um, – most people expect there will be some level of addition by subtraction with Dwight Howard. Dwight obviously put up a really good counting stats, but a lot of that was he was kind of stat hunting at the end of the year and it showed um, in your, in like, in your opinion, how much will, will the Hornets miss Dwight like a little bit where they miss him a lot or will they like actually like gain something by, by his absence? I think we'll miss him a little bit. I mean, as much as, The locker room reports were stated as much as he put up um, stat wise, which I I believe it ended up being like 17 and 13, which on paper looks great. But he's he's an average center. I I think Cody Zeller is a better fit with the team right now. Um, Just his pick and roll game is advanced and his pair with Kemba Walker is incredible when it's at its highest. Again, those two players have been kind of injury prone over the past two years or so. Um, but I'm really looking forward to just seeing more Cody Zeller. He's a very fun player to watch. We've also got Billy Hernan Gomez off the bench. Uh, we've also got Bismack Biombo. already mentioned him. Um, but I think as to playing a faster style of, of ball, I think Cody Zeller fits a little bit better than Dwight Howard, um, and certainly alongside Kimball Walker. So... Evan, do you agree that uh, Zeller is more conducive than Howard to playing a faster style style of ball? To me, they seem like roughly equal. I don't really recall Zeller being like the super mobile big man, and that was even before the injuries. I think he'll help in the fact he won't demand post touches like Dwight did, which can slow down an uh, offense yeah, a, a lot. He, he doesn't need the ball to be successful, so he's willing just to do the dirty work, run up and down the floor, 
set screens, try to get a few offensive rebounds. So I think he'll be a better fit than Dwight would be had he been stayed in Borrego's offense. So the next guy I want to bring up to you, Evan, is uh, Malik Monk. Uh, He had a really interesting year, I think is fair to say, for Charlotte. Um, He started the year, I think, clearly out of shape and Clifford uh, as like a very uh, taciturn guy was like not very happy about that. Um, He was benched quote is deservedly is like whether you think about that situation or not but he also offers the like clearest path to stardom as like a as a score that charlotte has on the roster so evan what, what's your expectations for malik monk like coming into the season should he like start over jeremy lamb should he be like the first guy off the bench uh like how much should the should the hornets be leaning on him moving forward I don't think he starts this year, but I think he could be the sixth man and he's capable of playing on or off the ball. Uh, last year, as you said, rough start. He got hurt in training camp, got a little out of shape, and then defensively he really struggled, which got him benched. But towards the end of the season last year, especially the last six games, he averaged over 20 points per game. Really good athlete. Um, I think he can be a lead shot maker, can get separation and a shot off at will. He had a really strong summer league game in the the league he played in. He looks stronger. I think he could be a guy who can average 12 to 15 points this league and this year. Um, defense, defense, there's still some issues for sure. But I would expect him to be a six-man who could play in a multitude of lineups. So I'd expect a big year from Monk. Dylan, same question, but also, like, what was your – you said you're a big draft guy. What, like, what was your draft evaluation of Monk, like, prior to the season? And, like, did – his year in Charlotte kind of changed how you env- like you envisioned him. I am a huge fan of Malik Monk. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. So just prefacing this by saying this might come off a little bit biased. I mean, it's okay. This is this is your team. I don't think Steve Clifford handled Monk correctly. Um, first off, he missed most of the offseason with an ankle injury. And I think that really hurt his development, uh, both as a player uh, and especially in Steve Clifford's system where if you're not a consistent young player, you're just not going to see the rotation at all. And I don't think that helped Malik Monk at all. Um, And having James Borrego come in, uh, I think that's really going to help him. He's going to play a faster style of basketball. I think that helps Malik Monk a lot better, given his shooting ability and athleticism. Uh, pre-draft, I believe I had Monk fifth or sixth overall on my big board, and he fell all the way to 11, which is, I was ecstatic on draft night. Um, you can imagine me. Although, uh, I was also pretty high on Donovan Mitchell. We passed on Mitchell to get Monk Um, who, uh, I mean, I don't blame him at all because Monk wasn't expected to be there at all. I I think his lowest point that he was supposed to be was to New York at eighth overall or something like that. But I am a huge Monk guy. Um, I think he could average 12, 13 points this year. Um, And I do think he should be the sixth guy uh, in the rotation, sixth man. He can play in spurts. He's electric. Um, he's certainly going to be a major player for the Hornets this year. So I, the obvious like next conclude our next question should be this year's draft pick, which is Miles Bridges. Uh, I'm a big fan of Miles because I'm an MSU uh, alumni. 
Um, I watched a lot of him during college. Uh, I'm enough to know that you guys uh, got like a really, a really talented kid. And I'm kind of jealous. Um, he struggles off the dribble, but he's a really deadly catch and shoot uh, shooting guy. He's a willing defender. He's athletic as hell. You saw the dunks that he pulled off in the summer league. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle him in the rotation. I know he won't start, but uh, Evan, how much, how much uh, like minute load do you think is going to be placed upon Miles Bridges like at the, at the beginning of the year? I think you'll have a role in the rotation early on, maybe around 15, 20 minutes per game off the bench. Um, can play the three or the four. His extra year of college, I think, really helps. He's super strong, really athletic, as you said. Uh, looked pretty good in the summer league, especially on defense, guarding multiple positions. His efficiency wasn't the, the best, but I think he's a good enough shooter, and I think he can get to the basket. So he'll be able to score in several different ways. So I think he'll play from early on, and then as the season goes on, they'll put a little bit more and more on his plate. Uh, Dylan, so where did did you have Bridges kind of in the uh, 12 area where the Hornets drafted when you were doing your draft evaluation, or did you have him like higher or lower? Or uh, how how pleased were you with the with the Bridges pick? So I'm going to preface this again by saying I was a huge fan of Shea Gilgis Alexander, which kind of soured me a little bit on Miles Bridges when we traded Alexander away. Um, so. I'm I had Miles Bridges as my 10th overall player uh higher than 11 higher than 12 um Bridges I think he's the end of the main top lottery tier I guess you'd say and then it just kind of drops off just a little bit uh but I I'm pretty happy with the pick obviously not as happy as I would have been with Shea um, but I'm, I'm still pretty happy with the pick. He's a rotational forward, not going to be a volume shooter, but he has range. He has tons and tons of athleticism. And if he can harness that correctly, I think he could be a starter for us someday. So the next guy I want to talk about is Jeremy Lamb. Uh, Lamb had a, uh, I don't know if you can call like a season where you only score like 12 points a game, uh, like a breakout season, but I think he finally like put some things together on the court. He shot 37% from three and 45% from the floor. Um, it's presumed that like he'll be the the starting two guard. Um, Evan, I guess when when you're thinking about the the future in which uh, like Kimball Walker like walks away from Charlotte isn't on the, isn't on the team anymore, does a Malik Monk Jeremy Lamb like backcourt like work long term? Well, first, just starting with Lamb, he did have his best season last year. I think besides Kemba was honestly the only other player who had a good season last year and took a step forward, improved his defense a lot, improved his three-point shooting a lot, which were the two knocks on him. So I think he earned the starting shooting guard job this year, and I think he'll be good again. And he averaged 12 points last year, and he could average probably up to 15. He's a pretty good scorer, rebounder, underrated passer. Uh, The fit with Monk... um, I think it could play together a lot. I mean, Monk can play on the ball, and he's more of a scorer than a passer. Uh, So there could be some small ball lineups, even with Kemba, Monk, and Lamb all together at the three, something we explored a little bit at the end last year. But I'm not sure just the Monk and Lamb duo, the one and two, will be the backcourt of the future. That's fair. That's fair. Dylan, uh, what do you think about the season Lamb had last year? 
and the like monk lamb pairing moving forward i think jeremy lamb had an excellent season last year um he probably should have started over michael kidd gilchrist towards the end of last season uh when he started for us which was near the beginning when nick batum was out with a ucl injury i believe he actually sustained against the pistons in the preseason um Lamb stepped in and was really, really good for us, actually. I think he averaged 15 to 17 points, sort of in that range. He was efficient. He was good on both ends of the court. He improved his three-point shot. Um, and partly because uh, because of that, Monk, that's kind of why his minutes went down the drain a little bit. Um, so if I'm looking to a future backcourt of either Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, or Kemba Walker and Malik Monk, I think Monk and Walker is certainly the pair I'd want moving forward. But if we're looking at just this season, uh, it's got to be Lamb and Walker, just simply because Lamb's more of a two-way player. He can guard the better at the two, more explosive than the two opposing guards. While Walker, uh, while he is a little bit undersized, he's still a proficient defender. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna be excellent or anything. He's just uh, a little bit below average. Um, and Monk. The, the main thing about starting Monk with Walker, it would be the defense. Um, just having really no primary defenders on the court. If you start him, Batum, and Walker, it's just not a great combination, especially if you go against teams like the Trailed Lasers, uh, the Rockets. Just it's not a great combination defensively. No, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I can see that. Batum was supposed to be, he was uh, like advertised as this effective team defender has he just like not been that in charlotte evan i think he had his best year his first year in charlotte and since has unfortunately regressed especially defensively i think actually putting him at the two hurt him a little bit there i think he can struggle with quicker guards and while some bigger wings at the three can give him problems too i think it is his better position both offensively and defensively and then last year he was hurt a bit as well I think overall he's probably at his best just an average to maybe slightly above average defender. But last year he was definitely below that and and needs to bounce back for sure. So, Dylan, what was your evaluation of uh, Nick Batum on defense? He was not great last year. Um, Obviously he had a UCL injury. It was just kind of lingering with him throughout the season. he was an okay team defender, but when it came to one-on-one situations, it was not pretty at all. Um, I mean, it's just you had to play him with MKG on the court, which MKG is inept offensively, so that's not a great situation. It's just Nick Batum, he took an obvious step down from last year as a player as a whole. Um, and hopefully, I mean, we paid him $27 million a year uh, in 2016, so... Hopefully he can get back to his old form, become our second option once again. But as of now, it's just not happening. So Dylan, what's the what's the best case scenario for the Hornets team? I mean, uh, we talked a little bit about how we would you'd prefer kind of tanking to uh, uh, like fighting for a playoff spot, trading Kemba for a return, and getting some clearing up some salary cap space rather than. Uh, like an ex- an extension or something like that. So, it, with that in mind, like, what does what does a successful season for this Hornets team look like? I think a successful season in the franchise's 
in Michael Jordan's eyes would be maybe 45, 46 wins at the highest. Um, and like probably the eighth seed, I don't see them getting past the Bucks or the Heat or anybody of that manner. Um, but I think a successful season would have like 15,000 people in the arena per game. Campbell Walker makes the all-star, uh, the all-star game. And he's our, our cover guy, uh, because the all-star game is in Charlotte this year. That's another reason they probably won't trade him is because they want someone in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, and just to not be represented at your own all-star weekend would kind of defeat the point of you even hosting it. Um, but anyways, just, yeah. Uh, in general, I think the Hornets' successful season in their own eyes would be the eighth seed, 45, 44 wins. And yeah, just being in the playoffs, maybe take it further than four games this time. Hopefully, uh, the eighth seed in our past has not worked out so well, especially against teams like the LeBron James era Heat. So just success and this franchise. Does, it hasn't been in the same sentence much before, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. So what would success look like from, from your perspective, though? I mean, I understand that you're not Michael Jordan, but uh, what would what would it look like um, for you? You play basketball to win the championship, and this team isn't going to win the championship by any standards unless we have like monumental jumps from Nick Batum, from Malik Monk, from Frank Kaminsky all in one year. And I don't see that happening. So what I would do personally, if I were the general manager, is I would try and get some money off the books or just get some more young assets on the team. I think that would be successful uh, just in any way, shape or form. But as of right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. They're pretty sold on winning now. That's why they brought in Tony Parker. That's why they tried to to um, bring in win now guys in the draft of Ante Graham, Miles Bridges. So from what it looks like right now, they're not going to tank. Uh, but I think in the middle of the season or so, they're going to be looking back at this offseason just a little bit disheartened at what they did. So Evan, uh, what, would, what would a successful season for the Hornets look like in, in your eyes? I think the best case scenario would be making the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they have the talent to be any higher than a seven seed in the East. Uh, there's no way they can win a playoff series, but if they make the playoffs and say a seven seed and maybe win a game or even two, that'd be successful season. But more importantly, the young guys, Monk, Dwayne Bacon, Bridges, Willie Herna Gomez, if they all show signs of improvement as well, then I would say that would be a successful season. All right, now I want to I flip it on its head. What would uh, what would a unsuccessful, what's the worst case scenario for, for the Hornets, Evan? Worst case scenario is, you know, we win 25 to 30 games. None of the young guys take a step. There's a lot of injuries and we don't deal Kemba the deadline and then he's upset by the losing and he leaves for, for nothing. I think that would be the, the nightmare scenario. Oof, that that does sound really bad, actually. I've, yeah, that sounds yeah, awful. Bad, uh, Dylan. What's what's your nightmare scenario for the Hornets this year? The exact same thing the past two years. Thirty six wins would be dreadful to watch. Uh, just as a fan of the team, covering the team, just to have the same thing three years in a row. It sounds horrifying, and. The scariest part is we already went over it, but the the Vegas uh, over under, it sits at 35 and a half. 
which is, I believe, the exact same thing it was last year. So I'm a little bit scared about that. So uh, I know we, we just talked about how the the nightmare scenario could occur, but uh, you guys are fans of the team. I, I want to know, uh, especially Dylan, uh, what's what's like the under the radar thing that NBA fans who don't watch the Hornets every night kind of miss? I actually live in North Carolina and get Hornets games, and so I, I catch a, a couple every now and again. What, what am I missing when I don't watch the Hornets every night? We have a very large amount of young players on the team. You don't see it because we don't play any of them, but we have a lot of them. We've got Billy Hernan Gomez, Frank Kaminsky, Cody Zeller. I still is believe I, I believe he's. 24 right now so those guys are all in the front court michael kid gilchrist is still 24 years old dwayne bacon he's another wing malik monk uh Devontae graham so we've got plenty of young players it's just they don't see the court most of the time because we have those older veterans in starting spots right now like jeremy lamb kemba walker nick batum marvin williams just all of these guys taking minutes away from the young guys and i'm not sure if it helps our team uh, but I think getting more minutes for those guys certainly couldn't hurt. So Evan, what's the, uh, what's the thing I miss every night by, by not watching the Hornets in, in your eyes? Well, I think this year will be new and different from last year. And honestly, the past two years, we haven't been very fun to watch besides Kemba. It's kind of, you knew what you get every single night and just a lot of close losses. But this year, I think it'll be a fun team that more general NBA fans on League Pass will like to check out, mainly just do the faster style play, more ball movement, three, the young guys' progression. So I think this year, it'll be there's some under-the-radar guys who I think will be sneaky good this year, and that's some people may miss out on. All right, so uh, this is the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I do have to ask you guys uh, about the Pistons. So, Dylan, uh, what has your opinion been of what the Pistons have done the last six months? So that's the that's the Blake trade. That's firing Stan Van Gundy and hiring Dwayne Casey, uh, restructuring the front office under Ed Stefanski, uh, free agency, the minor moves they made in free agency. Just w- what have your thoughts been about uh, the way the Pistons have handled themselves in the last six months? You didn't mention them, but they signed Zaza Pachulia. I, I, I believe I didn't I'm mention correct. Zaza Pachulia because he's not relevant. But I think that is <laughs> that is a great signing for the Pistons. No, but uh, the Blake Griffin move, um, I think it was necessary. You guys weren't really going too many places very quickly. I think you guys are a playoff team this year uh, with the Cavs dropping out. Um, I think I think trading that, that lottery pick might hurt you in the long run, but Blake Griffin, um, I think it remains to be seen whether he'll live up to that contract or not. Hopefully he does, and I believe now with that Andre, or not Andre Drummond, um, shoot, what's his name, Tamarcus uh, Cousins moving on to Golden State, you guys might have the best front court in the NBA now. Uh, I like Reggie Bullock. He's a quality role player. Reggie Jackson, hopefully he can stay healthy. And you guys do have some young pieces in Henry Ellenson, Luke Kennard. Um, I believe you also have Kyrie Thomas, who I was very high on going into the draft. Uh, so as for right now, I do like what the Pistons have done over the past six months and I'm excited to see what they do this season. Oh man, that's like, that's way more positive than we usually get. I'm hyped now. <laughs> so Evan, uh, what, what has your opinion been of, of the Pistons, uh, moves the last six months? 
Well, the big the Blake trade was a big win now move, and uh, it's a shame because I really do like Blake Griffin as a player. Just the price was very high and kind of hamstrung you guys into perpetual seventh, eighth seed land, and the cap situation's obviously in a, a really tough spot. Uh, the Stan Van Gundy firing, I thought, you know, I always thought he was a good coach, but it did seem it was time for a change. I was okay with the Dwayne Casey hiring, and I liked the changes in the front office. It's just this team is in a real tough spot. Not a lot of young talent outside Kennard and maybe some of the second-round picks they drafted this year, and not a lot of cap space to get better via trades or free agency. So they kind of are stuck with the roster they have. However, I do think they will be a playoff team this year, probably their seventh or eighth in the East. I still think Blake is an all-star caliber player, so is Drummond. I'm not the biggest Reggie Jackson guy, and I, Stanley Johnson, is. there's a lot of concerns. But I like Kennard. I like the signing of Glenn Robinson. I thought that was a sneaky good signing. You guys needed a wing. Um, so overall, you know, the Blake trade, a lot of people gave it a lot of crap, but I won't beat it up too much. There have been some good moves, and, it's a tough situation for the future, but for this year, it should at least lead to a playoff team. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. So I want to thank you. Thank both of you guys for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, Dylan, what's what's the best place for people to talk to you about the Hornets, potential Kemba trades? Uh, I know there's a, Kemba has a lot of fans in Detroit, so you get a lot of uh, like fake uh, Kemba to Detroit trades maybe. Uh, what's your uh, What's the best place for people to talk to you? The best place for people to talk to me would be on Twitter uh, at Jackson NBA, but it it's not spelled how you think it would be spelled. It's J A X O N N B A, which is just I prefer it better because it looks cooler. If that makes sense, but that's the best place to talk to me. That does look cooler. I'll give you that, uh, Evan. Uh, what's the, what's the best place for people to uh, talk to you about the Hornets? Uh, on Twitter, very basic name at Evan Dial. Uh, obviously right for at the high for SB nation OTG basketball and the NBA analysis network, which is the online site for the USA today sports media group. So all three of those sites and on Twitter, ask me any Hornets or NBA questions. All right. And uh, I'm Lazarus Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, this has been the Detroit bad boys podcast. And we will see you guys later this week.